what did you eat for breakfast? Uh, I had some eggs this morning. Thank you. I made some oatmeal and some fruit. <laughs> Welcome to Music on Your Own Terms, the podcast that aims to help musicians develop an entrepreneurial mindset through interviews, as well as discussing resources, concepts, successes, and more. Providing a platform to talk about negative emotions such as anxiety and depression in order to help overcome them in the context of music and reduce the social stigma. This is episode 82. Sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Printing Company in Fort Worth, Texas, offering screen printing, embroidery, laser engraving, and a range of other services. Go to theskinnyarmadillo.com to learn how they can help you get your merch business to the next level. I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes, because that really helps the podcast get in front of more people just like you who want to learn from the successes, strategies, and failures of artists and entrepreneurs that I talk to. I really feel that the information coming from those guests is exceedingly valuable for the musicians community and anyone wanting to pick up tips from other people's experiences. This episode, I'm introducing a new feature. A few years ago, on my Metal Doggy Twitter handle, I used to share the music I was listening to via the hashtag Daily Band Detector, which you still should be able to search for and find out what I was listening to at that point. This is one of the things that spurred me into creating a podcast in the first place, to talk about cool music I've discovered and share it with an audience. For this go-around, I want to tell you about the UK band Black Orchid Empire. They are a mix of British hard rock and metal, with a little bit of gent influence, catchy, well-written song hooks, and their new album Semaphore in particular has a killer production. I can definitely hear the 90s UK hard rock influence in the band's writing since I definitely grew up hearing the same music these guys must have done. If you like the clips you're hearing right now, I definitely recommend you check out the whole album and their previous work. After playing their song Bad For You on episode 67 with David Dennis, I had to get the Carolyn Sills combo on the podcast for an interview. Namesake Carolyn and her husband Gerard, the guitar player for the band, share their history in music, working for the Santa Cruz Guitar Company, and what it means to be able to live a life dedicated to music. We hear about their life's journey from college, living in New York and touring Europe, to moving to California and forming the current group. I truly enjoyed getting to know Carolyn and Gerard, they impart some really valuable wisdom, and we also nerd out on gear. Mental health is a topic that keeps popping up for myself, guests I talk to, and day-to-day -day conversations with friends. With the amount of social turmoil, global disasters, the pandemic, and the negative news we are bombarded with from all directions, it is no wonder we as a society are suffering emotionally. Please reach out to your friends and pay close attention to those who have had mental health issues in the past, or seem overly negative. If people you talk to on a regular basis start to withdraw, please don't assume they are being rude. Dig a little and find out why. Withdrawing from contact is a very likely sign that the person could be suffering from depression. 
I have experienced this many times, both personally and with family and friends. People tend to share and reach out during times they are in a better frame of mind. They shut down when they need help the most. Remember to vote and support changes for improved mental health services and consider spending time working on your own emotional IQ. Change most definitely starts with yourself and radiates out to your circle of influence. Thank you for listening. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today I'm joined by Carolyn Sills and Gerard Egan, who are from the Carolyn Sills uh, Karen Sills Group. Combo. Is that yeah. right? Or is it co- combo? combo? Who are from the Carolyn Sills yeah. Combo. Um, how are you guys doing? Great. We're hanging in there. Yeah. yeah doing nice okay. Nice to hear from you. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for joining me. Um, yeah, listeners would have heard uh, a song from Carolyn Sills uh, back in episode 67 when I interviewed David Dennis. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how we got introduced. Um, so yeah, let's find out uh, to start off with. I mean, could you tell me about the band and how it's set up and what it kind of sounds like? Sure. Yeah, we formed in about 2013. Uh, it's a five-piece combo uh, with Gerard here on guitar and vocals, uh, myself on bass and vocals, and then we have a, a non-pedal steel player, a drummer, and a harmony singer percussionist. Um, and yeah, we have three albums out, and we live in the Santa Cruz area. Been uh, we toured up and down California for a few years, and then about two years ago, we started touring uh, more extensively. Went all the way to like Nashville and back a few times, and um, and now everything's on pause, of course. But <laughs> but yep, but absolutely. you know, still uh, we're actually working on the songs for the next album, and um, we're pretty excited. Yeah, we're a Maripolitan band. We've been involved in the Maripolitan Awards for years, and we're lucky to be the Maripolitan Award winner for western swing group in 2018 mm-hmm. and um and yeah we're, we're uh, we play you know original western swing classic country and and anything else that, that floats our boat so awesome yeah, yeah i mean i I'll, I'll say right off the bat you know uh country genres in in general are not my thing I, so you're, you're a metal I say body, anything I that's that, kind of <laughs> i'm i'm definitely a metal head i i love like prog and you know, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely like something of everything, mm-hmm. but, you know, uh, uh, country is not really my, uh, I'm very not not knowledgeable about That's it. Okay. So if I say yeah. something kind of stupid, it's like, <laughs> okay. No, no um, and the other thing, you you, uh, you work for Santa Cruz Guitar Company as the director of operations. Uh, yeah, I've been there for 10 years now. Yeah, and so I, I kind of awesome. run the day to day, you know, all the dealer interfaces, uh, scheduling guitars, and working with customers on designing their own uh, acoustic dream guitars. So it's pretty pretty nice, nice day job. So I'm sticking to it. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of um, symbiosis there. That that's really yeah. cool. What do you do, Gerard, for a living? Um, I you know playing music and building and repairing guitars is pretty much how I pay the bills. Uh, Carolyn and I actually moved to Santa Cruz a little more than ten years ago so that I could get a job building guitars at Santa Cruz Guitar Company. and um, Oh, okay. Excellent. Yeah, I worked there building guitars for about eight years. Uh, I left a couple of years ago to start pursuing music more as a full-time thing. And um, Carolyn's job there kind of grew out of my initial inception with the company. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a nice, uh, you know, perfect world coming together in terms of uh, – our desire to work together and kind of be together and, and live in a beautiful place. And, uh, you know, the, the fact that we both wound up working at Santa Cruz guitar company, but also in very different, uh, aspects of that business, you know, it, it kind of came together in a really nice way. So, yeah. um, That's yeah, awesome. it's like, I, I can't really get enough of, of guitars 
playing them, building them, repairing them, whatever, you know? Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. <laughs> I was, I was actually going through your uh, Facebook page just to see what gear you, you did, uh, you played with. And, uh, I, I saw you got a magnetone. Yeah. Yeah. I got a magnetone, uh, gosh, about a year and a half ago now, I want to say, uh, it's one of the newer ones. Uh, it's kind of like mm-hmm. a deluxe, you know, it's like 22 Watts, um, really beautiful amplifier. Uh, they, they have a, a big bell ringing around the name magnetone because of that famous vibrato sound that like Lonnie Mac used so well, but, uh, I just bought it cause it was a wonderful sounding amp. The, the vibrato was like a nice little icing on the cake, but, um, it's really, it's, it's That's a awesome. big, big step up for me in terms of just like kind of a nice, small, compact, uh, great sounding amp. So I'm, I'm thrilled to have it. Yeah. I think, uh, is their fa- their most famous player, uh, uh, the Reverend Billy? Yeah, probably. Yeah. He uses more of those kind of high gain British influence. Right. Amps, but, um, yeah, the one that I have, it's, it's the Twilighter model and, um, oh. you know, it's a stock amp I got it used, um, and it's just, it's a That's wonderful, cool. wonderful thing. So I only own actually two real guitar amps. So, um, I had one, I, like I moved to Santa Cruz in 2010 with a, a tiny little thing that I was using back in our right. New York and Brooklyn days. It was like mm-hmm. our, you know, easy enough to hop on the Brooklyn subway with this tiny amp kind yeah. of a thing. And when we came out here, I thought, well, That's I fine. need something a bit more powerful and, um, finally graduated to the, the magnetone. It's, it's a great piece of gear. That's awesome. So I, I have a little connection. The the co- the company that I work for in New England was uh, uh, manufactured uh, convertible topping and interior uh, skin for cars, so the dashboard oh, cool. skin and that stuff. Uh-huh. They actually make the material for the dust covers for magnetons. Oh, get out of town! That's insane. <laughs> that's, awesome. so that, that's that's the only like musical <laughs> thing that th- that company did yeah. uh, when I was there. But uh, I thought it was a pretty cool like little. Uh, well, I have it, and it's very top quality, so thanks for yeah. that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it should be. It's expensive. Yeah. Um, so, Carolyn, uh, as a bass player, I I think I saw an Eden. Yeah. Which is yeah, owned by Eden Marshall. Head, yeah. I used to have an Eden cabinet, but it was at 95 pounds, like Gerard was saying, with you know necessity, living mm-hmm. in the city and stuff like that. We eventually sold that. Um, but, yeah, Eden Head, a 400 watt that I've been using for a long time, and um, I love it, and, yeah. It's it's great, and now actually we also got an Elf amp re- or head recently, um, which was super small, and I was really kind of overwhelmed with with the sound, the power, you know, the quality of it for you know the fact that it could fit in my purse. So it's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, everything's getting smaller. I know. I know. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, let's let's dig into the the history a little sure. bit. So how did how did you guys get into music in the first place and then what what prompted you to pick up your respective instruments and start singing yeah well you know i mean like anybody growing up you know you're listening to everything and anything you can get your hands on um i think gerard and i are both kind of children of the 80s in the sense where you know we i mean we listen to rock and metal and you know he goes more into the metal world than i do but um you know just and being influenced by everything really which you know i could obviously see some purists as thinking that, you know, you got to only listen to country if you're playing country. But to me, I just feel like it made us more well-rounded musicians. Um, and yeah. for songwriting's sake, I mean, yeah, I mean, for us, it's always been more about the song and not, you know, like, well, we, this has to be a two-step or something like that. I mean, so mm-hmm. uh, I really appreciate the fact that, you know, I was able to listen to a wide variety of stuff when I was a kid. Um, you know, we both kind of played in bands and stuff, you know, as teenagers. And then into, we actually met in college, um, 
we were playing in different bands and and started together and, and even our own music has gone through many iterations i mean we we were we did a blues band for a little while we did a rockabilly band and um you know as we started kind of moving forward more and more we kind of found our sound you know i think and mm-hmm. kind of gone forward from then i mean gerard started on with more of a classical background as like a little little kid and you know playing violin and then which led so wonderfully in the guitar which it seems like looking back it's like why didn't i play violin when i was four you know right. <laughs> i could play anything now you know because you would have tortured your <laughs> yep. parents for like three years <laughs> right. before you were even before your intonation (laughs) yeah once your intonation kicks in i I think you get a lot more uh forced into you know intonation frets are cheating right right, i can't i i haven't i haven't really played anything without frets so i can't really talk (laughs) i've actually been teaching myself how to play uh steel guitar during the quarantine Mm -hmm. i've always had an interest and wanted to learn for years and years and um you know our our steel guitar player charlie joe wallace plays pedal steel he plays in our band he plays a non-pedal steel guitar a triple neck uh-huh. um, he plays dobro he plays an old national tricone a weissenborn like he plays kind of like all the different styles of, of steel guitar mm-hmm. and um, uh-huh. when this whole thing happened uh, I mean I've, I've I've owned a couple of steel guitars now for a couple of years but never really made any like serious dance in terms of like learning it so I've, I've really been throwing myself into it but you're right it's it's totally humbling playing an instrument mm. uh, a string instrument without frets you know right um Absolutely. yeah it's, it's like that little tiny bit of space between perfect intonation mm-hmm. of being slightly sharp or flat it's just uh it'll drive you crazy so yeah. i i i got asked to put some type of uh pedal steel sounding thing on a on a um an album i was uh contributing to mm-hmm. uh listeners will know james dand the triple album i've been involved in and i'm like i give up <laughs> <laughs> i put i think what i ended up doing is some kind of uh ridiculous amount of echo and reverb and then just doing um arpeggiated chords i, I mean it what it was the that that kind of you know arpeggiated chord sound you get from a pedal steel mm-hmm. um and i did it with volume swells and i just layered them i just did one hit stop did the next one <laughs> right. and it was and i did i did a slide thing but i mean it was as good as it was gonna right, get. Just get it done yeah so yeah, yeah. it did it, it was okay that's all i can say yeah, yeah. well that that's so. you hear a lot of that uh type of like ambient uh pedal steel stuff mm-hmm. nowadays and in, in popular music where they, they want like that kind of uh sort of like a reference to pedal steel and, and like the sound of that but you're right there's a lot of like delay and reverb and stuff so it's it's not like um ralph mooney or you know buddy emmons coming at you it's like right. a whole new kind of thing so atmospheric yeah, yeah atmospheric yeah. Yeah, yeah so where did you guys grow up um i was born in chicago um grew up around there and then my folks moved a little closer to wisconsin and illinois um, I grew up in New Jersey, Jersey um, boy. yeah, yeah um, and you know, spent my whole uh, elementary school, high school experience there. We met in Connecticut, and uh, mm-hmm. we lived in New York and Brooklyn for almost ten years before moving out here to California. Yeah, big difference. Yeah, <laughs> you got. Yeah, you don't have to worry about snow. Right. That's true. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah we're, oh. we're pretty spoiled here. It's oh yeah, beautiful. we're we're ten years in, and we're still like, I can't believe we live here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So. Uh, yeah that i i couldn't handle yeah it. <laughs> it's pretty great we i'm like yeah and it, first chance is like yeah i don't want to do snow anymore right it's amazing um, yeah. yeah so uh, i mean i've been listening to the uh to the songs uh lately and uh you know like i said i have no background in country but it to me it sounds like an old 
old school country, but with a ridiculously clean production. Thank like you. if if you're welcome. If if when I when I see those old movies where they're like you know tw- ten, uh, the twenties and they're doing some kind of studio um, representation of an old band that did something, and you hear the high fidelity music is like, well, the records never sounded like that right, until right until you know, later. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of like that's what it, it to me it. it conjures up those images of like a an old style soundtrack of a new movie if that makes sense that's cool i mean Um, that's that's definitely uh in the realm of what we're going for you know like um i think we have a lot in common in terms of not just being into like one type of music you mm -hmm. know carolyn and i have listened to like all different kinds of stuff over the years but um yeah that older style country and western swing from the late 30s to like the maybe mid 50s or so is is a huge influence um so we try to take a little mm. bit of like every little you know record or genre that we'd like and throw it into this big uh, melting pot, so to speak. That's that's actually one of the the things that we love about Western swing so much is that traditionally it's kind of looked at as uh, the American melting pot of music, you know, because it's influenced by mm. blues and country and cowboy music and um, jazz, jazz fiddle breakdowns, mm-hmm. Hawaiian steel guitar stuff. You know, it's, it's kind of got a little bit of a representation of all these different cultures. Mm. And it's also like it's a it's a genre without limits in a sense, too. And that's always sure. appealed to us. So, um, yeah. And. And kudos for getting the um, the nod to Star Wars in there. Ah, thanks. <laughs> oh, is it so? Uh, I forget it's, which uh, which song was that. Uh, Big Canoe. I, I say I, I want to solo and, you in Carbonite. Yeah. In Carbonite, right? <laughs> I noticed yeah. that one. Right? There's, there's nice. always one guy in the audience that hears that lyric, and they're like, "Yeah, you know." <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Actually, the 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 song that really appealed to me was "Let the Teardrops Fall" because it it was like. Uh, you know, I'd listen to the first few songs and then that kind of hit. I'm like, wow, that that's so different. And to me, I, are you familiar with the uh, the British band Madness? No, I'm not. Madness. Um, so, yeah. Well, they're, they're a ska band. Yes. Like House of Fun. Okay. Uh, so there's a song called Nightboat to Cairo that has the same kind of walking bass line. Huh. So to me, like Let the Teardrops Fall is like half. It, it, it's half like uh, a ska, you know, Madness ska and half uh sleepwalk oh cool. cool yeah that's awesome so Thank i'm you. like wow and yeah no that that was a really cool song i'm like i'm blown away by that oh, one great. um and it, i can i can totally see like i mean excellent uh solo i could definitely see like stevie ray vaughan doing something on there or even doing you know you could you could do a cover of that in a you know more heavy metal genre <laughs> right. yeah. it just it has this driving riff to it um, well, I'm a huge Stevie fan. That's that's <laughs> actually how we met is through our mutual love mm. of Stevie Ray Vaughan. Um, yeah. But awesome. that was actually that that song, "Let the Teardrops Fall," is uh, a Patsy Cline tune, and um, mm-hmm. oh, okay. we, we've been playing Patsy music forever and ever. It's kind of it was like our big kind of break into country music. We got into her her whole catalog and sort of performing mm-hmm. that stuff. But um, one of the things Carolyn always was joking about was that. So many of Patsy Cline's songs are, if you listen to the lyrics, they're like super sad, just like crying your beer. Yeah. yeah, just like you're mm. at the end of your rope kind of a thing. But they're always done in these very happy major keys and like the tempo's all peppy, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like discordant yeah. in that way. So we thought, well, why don't we just do one of these old sad songs in a really sad minor key, you know? 
So right. it seemed to work. So. Yeah, so we took her tune and then just yeah moved it to minor key and right. slowed it way down. And yeah, you should actually if you Google awesome um, that song, but Patsy Cline, it'll, yeah, you won't even recognize it. It's pretty great. Yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll have yeah. to do that. That's cool. Um, yeah, if you don't mind talking a bit about what you do at the guitar company, because uh, oh sure, obviously this is a, a business podcast. Oh so, yes, yes. Uh, you know, I I can't I can't uh, wax philosophical. No, we don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. Wax, 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 wax on, wax off, man. Yeah, I can never for, for some reason I can't say that word, <laughs> yeah. but about guitars. Yeah. Um, so let's go to the guitar company. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So so what what have you been able to kind of um adapt from you know operating a guitar company and how, how does that translate to running you know so a band as a business that's a great question um well i'm lucky i mean the company santa cruz guitar company you know that i work for and, and drug work for um you know it's a very small shop a very you know kind of family oriented um and richard hoover the owner and founder who's still my boss there um you know is very people oriented i mean the you know from the beginning he taught me like nothing we do is worth doing with anyone that's not going to treat us with respect with anyone that um you know just makes things difficult for the sake of of doing so and you know mm. i mean he he put so much care and so much effort into every guitar into every order and and so in me and, and studying under him and then you know now evolving in the position i'm in um you know just that in itself was such a big big learning experience for me and and i think uh you know the fact that we do custom builds you know each of our guitars are mm. all individually one of a kind and and designed with our either with our dealers or with their customers uh with like a one-on-one -on -one consultation so you know all the work i do with that with people um it's it's been it's been truly remarkable i mean just being able to get with somebody and and learn all about their preferences of to what styles of music they like how they play um you know what sounds appeal to them like what tonality um appeals to them mm -hmm. you know do they prefer warm or dark they prefer more bass or trebles you know do they play super hard with a pick do they finger you know play finger style they, you know so um i think you know a lot of that and uh, how that's translated into our music i mean for me more it's just kind of looking at you know how to kind of please those individual people and build them the guitars that that'll make them happy um yeah mm -hmm. i don't i don't know i guess if even how it's appealed like how we'd be able to use that in our music i mean well so much of the uh at least the santa cruz guitar experience is not so much the instrument it's the relationship yeah. that, the, that the instrument uh ends up having with the customer and then of course the relationship that carolyn would have with an individual who's ordering a custom instrument mm -hmm. so in one mm -hmm. sense i suppose it's like well we're, we're trying to get out there on stage and you know make everybody happy so it's about making those individual mm -hmm. connections too so right but we don't custom write songs for people you know we, we write what we feel during the quarantine since Although, things have yeah. changed we are available to write custom <laughs> right. songs if you have some money we will write <laughs> custom songs <laughs> custom tailor uh, people right. do that for um you know uh what's the word uh like like dedications or like GoFundMe. Oh yeah yeah. No yeah. no no. So people do that for GoFundMe's. Like I'll write you a custom song. That's true. Yeah. Um, actually, I think there's a funny story though. Do you, do you ever listen to the CD Baby uh, DIY? Podcast no, I before? haven't. But we know CD Baby. Yeah. Um. So Eric Bruna, who who's one of the guys that does it, um, his band did that one time for a GoFundMe, but it backfired because they wrote this song. I think the guy wrote in and gave them the song and they kind of embellished right. it and he ended up hating it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so right. there's always that thing. Well, we'll write you the song, but yeah, this is our song. Right. Yeah. yeah. You, you might not right. like it. There's, right. there's no guarantees. Um, Once we have your money, you yeah, know, it's all it's over. It's hard. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
I mean, what, what have you done as far, how, how has COVID affected the business and then how has it affected you as a band? Um, as far as Santa Cruz Guitar Company, I mean, um, you know, we had to go on, um, you know, a few weeks hiatus, you know, due to the restrictions and such in our county. Um, you know, I'm super proud of our team. I mean, we have 18 luthiers that build our guitars. You know, we do about 400 guitars a year. Um, and so we use, you know, obviously no one was working at the shop at that time. Um, mm. But once we got back, you know, we, we got a lot of stuff in order and, and made a lot of uh, good, you know, changes and updates to the shop. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I mean... Whether you like it or not, this whole situation, the one bright side is it's kind of calmed everyone down a little bit. It's like everyone's being a little more patient. You know, everyone's understanding that mm -hmm. things are a little bit delayed now due to the situation. But, um, you know, we're back up and running in full production and, and getting guitars out and everyone's, you know, being super accommodating. So we're, you know, we're really pleased and grateful about that. Um, as far as the band goes, I mean, we unfortunately are kind of in the same boat as everyone else. I mean, we had a about a month-long tour in April that was canceled. We had same mm -hmm. in july that we had to cancel and then you know we were in the works of planning a tour for you know september october that we just kind of shelved so you know mm -hmm. you know and it's like anything i mean of course at first it seems crazy but everyone's in the same boat and um you know we kind of just have to do what we do i mean the way gerard and i operate we kind of see this as all right like let's let's turn this time into something and so for us it's more about you know like he said he's you know working on steel and we're practicing other instruments but also just songwriting and getting ready for the next album and we'd love to come out of this whole thing with a new record and be like well here's what mm. we were working on you know so we've been focusing more on that than like online performances and such i mean I, we have a lot of friends who are doing a wonderful job doing that and we've done a few which have been super fun you know i mean we're very fortunate that you know we're still working through this whole thing so um we're not as you know reliant on the the online shows and such for income which you know we're real grateful mm. for um so we've decided to focus our time more on, on the songwriting and stuff so so we'll see. Hopefully we can awesome. maybe record again, you know, towards the end of the year, which would be wonderful. So That's cool. Um, yeah. how, how have you found your um, your audience, you know, so far? Has it been online or has it been live gigs? Oh, um, kind of both. I mean, live gigs have done so much for us. I mean, that's kind of why it hurts so bad this year, you know. I mean, mm. us traveling the last few years, just meeting people all over the country, meeting other bands, you know, bartenders, venues, like everybody. I mean we've kept such great connections and, and I think, you know, a big part of us, um, you know, is, is, is the live experience. So, um, you know, I uh -huh. think we've got a lot of fans that way and we, you know, we have some quality videos out that we like and, you know, we, we do our best with communication online and stuff like that. Um, but you know, we'd rather be playing guitar than be on our phones, which can be a problem sometimes right. for musicians these days, you know, you, I feel yep. like some of the more successful people are the opposite. So, yeah, it is sort of a catch twenty two in the sense that the uh, the era of like you know big labels and these major contracts where you have like a giant team working behind your new al album to get it out there and promoting and that kind of stuff and uh, that that's mm. not the reality for most musicians these days. But particularly nowadays with COVID and stuff, um, you know, it's it's extremely um, helpful to have social media and be able to like contact your fans in that way. But it also makes you feel like you're like married to social media and you have to kind of like be constantly doing things. And uh, I love the motivation behind it, but it's also, uh, I don't know, something of like a, a boat anchor in one sense too, to, you know, we want to be like working on music and playing that stuff. But you know, the reality of, of today's music industry is, um, you know, being on the internet and having a presence and, you know, just 
coming up the content as as often as as you can mm-hmm. do it yeah. in a in a good manner. So. Yeah, but we've met some wonderful people. I mean, geez, from all over the world, and that to me is just the most beautiful part of it. You know, just that we know we like we've never you know some people we've never met in person, but we've known them for years now because they buy our records and they tell us what they think right. and they comment on stuff and other people that we just met, you know, randomly at a show in Missouri or something, and we've stayed in touch with them since. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like Trevor was saying, I mean, we, you know, I mean, from the beginning, I mean, we, we play music because we just love to do it. I mean, I love to write songs, I love to perform, you know, and we always joke mm. that if we, you know, if we wanted to get rich doing this, we would have quit years ago. So it's like, <laughs> it's not about that. So for us being those kind of musicians to not be able to perform live right now, it's just kind of like, oh, like, you know, we, we signed up for this to play with people to connect with people to perform you know and, and we're we're scheduled to do that for the rest of our lives as far as i'm concerned and so it's you know it's it's awesome. it's a bit disheartening right now but i'm optimistic you know for the future and just can't wait to play live for somebody again yeah that's awesome um do you do you see um i don't know if there's been any popping up in california but have you seen any uh drive-through setups and i, I think there was a not drive through, but drive in like a drive in movie, but right. for gigs. And then um, I did see uh, in England they just did like a festival setup where they had platforms, like five hundred platforms, no way. socially distanced. I just saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's so, I mean, it's amazing seeing how people are <clears throat> adapting to this whole situation, yeah. you know. And yeah, we've seen mm-hmm. some of the like the drive in movie theater type of things and whatever. Yeah, we have some friends in town <laughs> that are going around a pickup truck and just playing in the back of it yeah yeah that's awesome yeah my my old drummer in new hampshire he plays for a a country singer uh in new hampshire and she's doing kind of the same thing yeah just you know towing a mobile stage around and going playing in people's driveways pretty great yeah and backyards and stuff i love that yeah i mean let's do what we can have you ever done um have you ever done any like house show tours or anything like that uh we've done a lot of of house concerts no no i'm definitely not i mean we've the house concert scene is big in california yeah um, you mean I, I'm just talking about the size of your setup in on stage for the for whole five oh, piece. Oh yeah, well we, we do those more as acoustically, so you know we can, I mean we can okay. strip down as you know those a, a duo or a trio, but yeah we've done the five piece like with Jimmy our drummer on Cajon and you know Charlie on his you know mm-hmm. National or you know a Weissenborn and Gerard on acoustic guitar and so yeah so yeah and the house concert scene that's amazing. I mean we always you know when we lived in New York we had a friend in California that would reference that and we're like i have no idea what you're talking about you know we move out here and you start playing them it's fantastic i mean it, you have a wonderful mm-hmm. audience of just super excited attentive like nice folks and everyone brings their own booze and there's food and you know it's it's just a, a wonderful way to spend an evening i think more people with backyards should embrace the, the house concert idea yeah it's a really wonderful way to not just see music but also kind of like get to know the musicians and it's been our experience that mm. You know, you play a bar or whatever, and, you know, people pay a cover if there is a cover, and they're kind of talking, they're rowdy all night, and it's it's fun, it's a cool vibe, uh, I love it, but the house concert thing gives us more of an opportunity to kind of connect with the crowd, and uh, Carolyn mm-hmm. does a lot more, like, storytelling, kind of, like, introducing songs, and mm-hmm. that's a whole different experience that you wouldn't get in a loud, noisy bar, you know, a house concert is, like, people right. are just there to see you and focus on you, and you know, they put whatever, 20 bucks in the hat and they buy some merch and they bring their own bottle of wine or something. And, yeah. you know, they're just like focused on you all night. So it's, it's a very mm. rewarding experience in that way. Yeah. Do you find, do you find you make a little more of those types of 
Oh, definitely. Parties yeah, or not? A, yeah, those those gigs are very different from the bar gigs. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, when you really think mm. about it, when you're playing a bar or a club, I mean, you're more in the business of selling booze than you are playing and, and making money off your music. Yep. You know, if, yeah. if the bar does great, then you get asked back. That kind yeah. of thing. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I mean, I I I definitely think there's certain genres um, that lend themselves better. Um, you know, obviously the the story. Actually, the the thing you talk about the storytelling. Um, obviously that lends itself well to your your type of music but um i interviewed uh the jazz fusion band marbin um super technical uh sax saxophone player and guitar player but they they basically break between every song to tell the story of how the song came about and uh you know i experienced that have you ever played the uh the guitar sanctuary in uh mckinney no north texas no super great venue um it's a guitar it's a high-end guitar shop that has an auditorium next to it Mm. um and that's definitely a listening environment versus like a a regular gig so yeah they do a lot of clinics um but yeah that that type of venue really lends itself well to the storytelling and the clinics and the you know attentiveness yeah rather than just a straight yeah, we love that Bar, stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, a lot of our songs, you know, they're very story driven. You know, we we tell a lot of stories in what we do, um, and yeah, it's great to get to do that. And like Gerard said, I mean, we love playing the loud bars and having everybody dance. But there, we're like, oh, this one, I'd like to tell you about this song. You know, I was like, shut up, you played. You know, so, so we just kind of <laughs> go. Yeah, we just play those nights, which is great. But it's yeah, nice to have that opportunity to kind of tell people, you know, where stuff came from and the inspiration. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, I mean, how many gigs? We, we, have you been averaging thus far until COVID hit? Oh man, year to year. I mean, we were doing, we were now doing like three tours a year. Um, so like three months on the road as far as, you know, going out of California. And then we'd fill in the rest mm-hmm. of the year with like long weekends. And, you know, summer was always a bit busier. There's a lot of festivals in California and a lot of outdoor shows mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, we were, I mean, we were racking up the miles. I mean, we did how many, like, we did like uh, 30,000 miles in a year and a half in our, yeah. we have wow. a Ford Transit fan that we kind of converted for mm-hmm. the five piece, yeah. you know, combo to be in there and all, all the gear in the back and whatever. And the van's so sad right now. He's just sitting yeah. there. It's yeah. a big van to be just <laughs> available for grocery shopping. I know. Time, you know. I know. That's been hard too. It's like, you know, we're paying monthly car payments on this mm-hmm. van and we're not doing anything with it. So yeah. that, you know, that's a whole other conversation, but. I'm sure a lot of musicians are going through that right now. Luckily, we can sleep in it. Right. So if we yeah, lose our house, we can sleep in we it. <laughs> we have a backup plan. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, have you done anything outside of the U.S.? Um, we have not with this band. Um, like I said, Gerard and I, we, when we lived in New York, we were in a rockabilly trio, and we did a couple tours of Europe with that, and we had such a great mm-hmm. time. And I feel like, and and looking back, I mean, we were such babies. What we were like twenty, twenty something years old. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, and we did a, I think we did a good job for, you know, where we were at at the time, but the idea of going back with this, this band we have now and just how far we've come since then would be really great. So we were actually looking to that. Maybe not, it might not have been this year, but we were kind of looking at doing that soon. But of course, you know, everything's a bit, bit up in the air right now, but we'd love to get to Europe. Yeah. We're definitely those kinds of musicians that just love touring, you know, like one of the biggest parts about it is not just, you know, playing music every night, but meeting people and getting to see new parts of the world. I mean, it's the best way to mm. explore see the world town, and, and yeah. see the country, see Europe or whatever. And, um, you know, it's sure. kind of like as soon as you walk into a bar and you're holding a guitar, you're you're OK with the people there. You know, it's <laughs> nice. like 
no one brings up like politics or religion or anything. It's just like we're here for one common purpose, which is to have some fun and listen to some mm-hmm. good music. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. that's you know tough being away from on a day to day basis. So. Yeah, but we'll get back to it. We hope. Yeah. Are you playing in Texas or? Um, no, I'm concentrating on on doing stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, studio stuff, yeah. contributing to people. That's cool. You know, uh, my 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 podcast. They talk about uh mental health and you know i've suffered from depression and anxiety and mm-hmm. you know i i just found that i didn't really feel that comfortable playing live at least for right now so which is fine because yeah. i've got i've got hard drives everywhere with little bits of, of <laughs> you know ideas that i've been meaning to get right, to right. and it's like and you'd think that you know the uh the the lockdown and having time off from covid would have like lit a fire but no yeah no i know it didn't yeah. <laughs> but now now i'm like super busy at work i'm super busy with a podcast and now i'm actually trying to find time but yeah it's just a case of sitting down you know editing a few files together and mm-hmm. then uh you know seeing where it comes um you know and i don't know if you you probably haven't really run into this just because you play majority you know clean guitar but an interesting side little thing that i discovered was I I put down a scratch track, just DI'd my guitar dr- straight in, and then I reamped it with a plug-in. Huh. And then I found, because I wasn't muting, because I was playing acoustically, um, I got all these overtones from the distortion. Oh, way cool. And, but the, the, normally, if I'd been playing through an amp, I would have muted it okay. naturally, because that's just what I do. Um, but because those overtones and harmonics were in there from the overdrive, I actually ended up hearing all these like backing vocal parts and these melodies. Wow. I'm like, wow, I should do this more often. Wow, good That's for cool. you. Yeah. That's awesome. So That's cool. Yeah, it's just it's funny that stuff comes out when you least expect oh, yeah. it. Yeah. That's been a huge part of the, the COVID for us too. Like I feel like we always like have stuff to do and we have assignments and stuff, but like to have a little bit of free time to like, you know, we have this little recorder we can sit down with and just to just sit down and just start playing and just, yeah, like that, just recording ideas, see what you come up with, you know, the stuff where mm. you don't have any agenda, we just want to create something out of nothing, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we have enough time these days to, like, record a bunch of random ideas, you know, go to sleep, and then right. the next day listen back, and, oh, there's, like, one or two cool things here, you know, so. Or delete all of it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that happens <laughs> too. <laughs> um, I, one thing I did want to ask is I, I saw you uh, play upright bass. Uh-huh. Is that challenging for you because i've heard a lot of upright bass players have you know i i've had like just playing so long mm-hmm. i've had some carpal tunnel issues yeah. and tendonitis do you ever find switching from upright to regular bass or vice versa causes you any physical issues um physically not yet yeah i'm, I'm real fortunate for that like i've you know I, I do some stretches with my wrists and stuff like that but um no i haven't you know, found any pain. I mean, I think mentally switching in between, like, you know, I'll have weeks where I'm, I'm like just playing upright and then I go, you know, back to electric and, you know, it just takes a little bit to get mm. your head back into it. But, um, but I've actually found that playing both, they improve each other, I think, you know. Oh, for yeah. Sure. And like you were saying yeah. with the, the intonation, I mean, that's the biggest part of the upright with, you know, without the frets and such. So I think that's really improved my electric playing, you know, to, to be more on upright. Mm. So, yeah, like Gerard says, with necessity and the weight of the amps, I mean, we haven't traveled much with the upright, um, you know, due to space limitations and such as well. But, um, but yeah, so, uh, but I, yeah, I definitely enjoy it. I mean, when we do a lot of duo shows together, it's great to, to be on just the upright and guitar. So, you've never, um, never had the urge to buy a, an electric upright? I haven't, no. Um, 
I once got inspired. We we played some show up in Felton um, at the old now defunct Don Quixote's where the the gentleman had the the upright where the neck collapses into the body, you know, and then they could set mm. all up again. So the whole thing was like in a suitcase, and that was pretty amazing when I saw that. Um, but no, I haven't yeah you know, looked into anything else. Like I play, um, um, I have a harmony bass that really has a great kind of upright mm-hmm. sort of sound. You know, to me, it's like that's the be- next best thing. You know, to be traveling with that and. Like, you know, and I also mute a lot while I play, so it kind of gets that thumpy tone to it. So um, so that's kind of my... Do you play with flat ra- flat wounds or round uh, wounds? Flat wounds, yeah. Yeah, just with my fingers. Okay. So how, how as a luthier, how, how, how nuts did that folding bass make you feel? <laughs> I, I love seeing it. It, it, yeah. it. I mean, the guy who was playing it was not a luthier, but, you know, it's one of those things where yeah. you fold the neck out and you just have to locate the, the bridge in the right spot. And get enough tension mm. on it with the uh, the strings, and you know, you're good to go. So it was kind of amazing to see that as like mm. his day to day touring bass, that it's a fully collapsible, mm. packable instrument. It's like, like a that. transformer, yeah, literally, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. So it was it was very impressive, and and it sounded great. Are you those would, popular? We see more would, people with those. I would almost guarantee you probably wouldn't know it unless you were yeah. a bass player looking for it. You probably wouldn't know yeah. that it was a collapsible bass from the audience. You know. Yeah, I mean that's that's the nerdy thing about you know. You always know the guitar nerd. He's the one looking down at the guitar player. <laughs> right, right, right. And he's not looking at the singer. Right, right. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I, that, I think as as an industry, that's where everything is headed. I mean, yeah. you, you see, we, we talked about that before. All the amps are getting much smaller. Yeah. You know, there's the whole um, modeler argument. Mm. You know, obviously, I'm a tube tube fan, but and I know it feels different, but the audience cannot tell. I mean, I I actually, yeah, I I I went to a gig, um, and the guys were playing um the fractal uh floor effects, and I and until I saw them, I couldn't tell it wasn't a tube amp. Wow, Mm. wow. But if but again, if I'd been playing through it, I'd have probably known. Right. Well, that's a good yeah philosophical conversation. If you know, if your impossible burger tastes like a burger, does it matter? I mean, I don't know. You know, exactly. Is it it pride that we need to know that? where our instruments came from and how, you know, authentic they are. Yeah. I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. There's definitely like a psychosomatic effect when it comes to gear. You know, it's like, if you believe that that mm. guitar is going to make you play better, it's just going to make you happy on the inside and maybe it will make you play better. I don't, I don't know. Maybe if it, it could, if it makes you happy lugging around a 85 watt fender twin or something, or, you know, 85 pound fender twin, I should say, yeah. then, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, by all means, I guess you should do it, you know? Right. If it helps your performance, and that's exactly why. That's exactly why Nam is so huge. Yeah, and they sell so many guitars. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not not because you know, it's not because uh, musicians need them as tools. It's it's a, it's a definite emotional purchase yeah. for the majority. Yeah. I, I think mm-hmm. shiny. Yeah. yeah, it's shiny object syndrome. <laughs> right. Sure. So I mean that that's actually a good jumping off point. If you were to tour Europe, like what would you do in terms of your, uh, you know, your instruments? you know because that would be kind of expensive like you know i know i know some bands that really like their vintage heads and and that sound Mm -hmm. but you know i mean i feel like we definitely it's almost yeah right but but i mean you you would like rely on backline and and i bet we'd probably rent amps right over there yeah, I mean, we've we've faced that experience a number of times, just having to do like a, a backline gig, and you just got to plug into whatever's there, and you know, then it's mm-hmm. helpful to have a couple pedals maybe to kind of get you closer to the sound that you're you know used to having yeah. out of your own personal amp. But 
for sure. Um, yeah, we've we've definitely entertained that idea about going over there and just taking down like the stripped down minimal type of band. Um, uh, we did a, a video for a local Western wear store here in Santa Cruz called Tomboy. And the setup we mm -hmm. used on that was me on acoustic guitar, Carolyn on her harmony electric bass. Uh, our drummer was playing a cajon and our steel player was playing his national square neck, his tricone. And we have our, our backup singer, Sunshine, playing percussion and singing, of course. So that that's mm -hmm. almost as, as light and as simplistic as we could get. So we've, yeah. we've kind of talked about, well, we know we can do what we want to do with that instrumentation. So that might be the easiest way to do it. And, you know, you play acoustic guitar, you have a little preamp, you kind of just plug into any PA and yeah. dial in your sound or whatever. So nice. it's less to carry. So. Less to carry. Yeah, I know. Probably wouldn't, wouldn't bring the upright overseas. But, right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what I do like to do at this point is uh, ask my non-quickfire question round. Oh, cool. um, so what significant negative experience have you overcome and what did it teach you? You can go first. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I consider myself a really happy guy and having had a very happy childhood. I lost my father when I was a young age. I was 17 when he passed away from cancer, but when I think Sorry, back now, yeah, thank you. But um, when I think back now, I realize at that point in my life, I, that's when I really put myself into the music mode because music was something I could immerse myself in and kind of control and do something with uh, at a point in my life where I felt powerless to this disease that my father had. I couldn't do anything about his illness. And it really was a, a major turning point for me. So um as much as I wish my father was still around, I also look at that whole experience as like a major turning point for me and really dedicating myself to mm -hmm. music. So, um, you know, you got to look awesome. for some kind of positive that you pull out of that kind of situation. So that, that's probably Absolutely. the biggest one for me. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank Mine will be sure. way worse than his. So we can move on to the next question. <laughs> yeah, sure. If you, if you want to. So what, what made it? Yeah. What major positive experience has given you the encouragement to follow music as a journey? Oh well, I can answer that one. Um, yeah, I think um, I'm just so fortunate. I met this guy. Um, we got together uh, when we were in our you know late teens, uh, which was you know a couple of years ago, but yeah, no, <laughs> quite a <laughs> while ago. Um, but um, you know, I, I definitely look back at that point in my life that you know. Like I said, I mean, I'd always played music. I'd always been a singer, you know, from, as a little kid and, you know, played various instruments. But it was always a passion that I knew would be a part of my life, but I never thought I'd pursue it as professionally, you know. And uh, I think, you know, getting in with Gerard and us, you know, realizing we had this connection, uh, you know, we started just kind of writing and playing together before we ever thought like, well, well let's see if we can actually record records or, or go on tours and do all mm -hmm. this kind of thing. So I think just the two of us having that, you know, common bond together, you know, not only made us for a great, you know, great marriage, great relationship, but also I think, you know, we, we inspire each other so much. I mean, I, um, you know, I, I feel like songwriting and singing has been my forte for a long time. You know, I've only been playing, you know, bass and guitar and instruments for maybe like, you know, 15 years or something like that. So, you know, he's been such an inspiration to me as somebody who's played all his life and has a lot more of the, the background mm -hmm. as far as the, you know, the, the, the real, you know, kind of structural learning of, of guitars and, and fretted instruments and stuff so he's been great for me to push me and challenge me you know you always want to play with people that are better than you so 
Luckily, Absolutely. I have that built into my relationship, which is really nice. I like to crack the whip for <laughs> yeah. the world. Yeah. yeah. For Gerard, you know, he's got a, you know, luckily he's got, you know, people in our community he can play with to, to have that same experience that I do, but... Um, well, even in our yeah. band, I mean, our our drummer and our steel guitar player are at least thirty years older than us, and yeah. uh, they're just phenomenal musicians. And uh, yeah. uh, we feel so fortunate that they're in our band that they want to play with us. And you know, I feel like I'm at school every time we get to play with them. Particularly um, our steel player that I'm, you know, he's playing an instrument I've always wanted to learn. So when we're on stage playing, I feel like half my time I'm kind of. Right. He's not watching the singer and, either. Yeah, he's watching the steel yeah. player. <laughs> Seeing what he's doing, and um, you know, it's 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 humbling in that way too. But that, that's absolutely the name of the game: is surround yourself with people that are better. smarter than you and and better at what you do than you are. You know, yeah. and and you'll improve. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you for that. And then finally, what does music mean to you? Oh wow! Um, I mean. I've found so many parallels between music and life. You know, the more we go through this, like it's such a, I feel like there's so many things you can find in there. Just so many lessons for how to just be a better person in general. I feel like music has taught me patience, you know, like we always kind of joke about, um, I think there's, there's some Aretha Franklin quote that I'll totally butcher, but just of like how much you can actually do in a measure, you know, like there's, there's more time than you would ever imagine, you know? And, uh, Mm. And that, and that's one thing I always kind of just take with me in my life in general, just kind of taking a deep breath, realizing you can take your time to deliver the performance you want to deliver, you know, like the, you know, the music's waiting on you, not the other way around kind of a thing. Um, and also just, just people skills. I think being in a band to me, I can't think of a better use of your time of just a way to play music with other people, you know, to use that as your communication. Mm. You know, I feel like you learn so much about, not just being about yourself, about how to listen to other people, about how what you do can contribute not only to make yourself better, but to make other people better. Um, mm. And and I think just being in a band dynamic to me is that's just such a, a beautiful thing in that sense because of course it's not just about the music; it's about balancing you know personalities and relationships and such. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I'm just I'm so blessed. I think just to been playing music this long and playing with people this long. I think. Obviously, it's a wonderful thing if you can be like a solo artist, you know, but I, I would almost feel bad for some people that never get that experience to, you know, play with other people because I feel like you learn so much about just how to live your life better, I, I think. Yeah. I'm going to go back to Star Wars for my contribution <laughs> on this one is yep. that it's, it's just this like unifying thing that brings us all together. You know, it's like the force in that way. Yeah. I think back in my yep. life and all of my happiest moments basically uh were due to music you know whether it was people that i've met or mm -hmm. meeting my wife you know the performances that we've done uh shows that we've seen you know it's it's always been like this sort of constant thing that's yeah. that's brought us to that point or you know uh in times when you're feeling down or depressed or whatever like music's always there for you you know it will never turn its back mm -hmm. on you you know that's what i love about playing music and playing guitar it's like um you know, you wake up in the morning and the guitar is just on the chair waiting for you to play it, you know. Mm -hmm. So you have the whole day to work on it, get better, do something, learn something. Um, it's never going to let you down in that way. So that's, again, I guess getting back to my experience with my dad when I was a kid, that was just like something I could kind of rely on. It became kind of a bedrock. So it's kind of like the, it's it's that unifying force. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Well, uh, where can people go to find out about your music, get in touch, 
all that good stuff. Um, yeah, we have a website. It's, it's uh, carolynsills.com. Um, we're on the you know Facebook and the Instagram and stuff. Um, and yeah, we've got some fun videos on YouTube and such. And you can yeah shoot us an email too. We're happy to say hi to anybody, talk to anybody. So love to meet you guys. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I particularly like the black and white video. Was that for Canoe? Oh, yeah. yeah. That was Big Canoe. Yeah, we filmed that up here. Big Canoe. Yeah, yeah that was... I, I, did, I, I did... That was fun. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah, we um, tried to do like a like a Buster Keaton, you know, Charlie Chaplin kind of mm-hmm. kind of video. Right, right. That was filmed up here in a beautiful uh, like uh, state park um, near Santa Cruz, so that was really nice. Awesome. Yeah. Um, what and, and to finish out, what song would you like to play at the end? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Song like to play at the end. Did you play? Did you play "Bad for You" last time? Because that that was one I. I think it was "Bad for You" in 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 David's uh, episode. Yeah. Well, we keep talking about. So it can't be that one. We keep talking about Big Canoe. So why don't we just play that? We do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We will do. (laughs) Perfect. Awesome. All right. Um. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining me today. It's been a really fantastic conversation. Um. Continued success and you know stay healthy. You know, stay stay away from the the virus. Thank you. You too. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, as I said, been great. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having yeah, us. It's been a lot of fun. Stay safe. Thanks. Thanks, as always, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, then I'd be extremely grateful if you would. I have added a page on musiconyourownterms.com to allow you to do just that. On that page, I have added some eBay affiliate links to equipment I use on the podcast. If you buy anything from eBay with these links, then I earn a commission which really helps me continue to provide this great content to you, the listener. Stay up to date with the podcast and find out who I'll be interviewing in upcoming episodes before they air by signing up for the mailing list at musiconyourownterms.com. On the site, you'll also find show notes for every episode, some pretty cool videos to check out from various guests, and also links to their music and social media if you want to find out more. While you're there, don't forget to take a peek at the store and pick up something for your grandma. Keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This is the Carolyn Sills Combo with Big Canoe.
If you 